CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Ben Jarofsky Show for Thursday, May 28th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. That's correct. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That's correct. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, May 28th is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. All right, I forgot to uh, ask everybody about a song of the day. So, uh, Ben, I guess you're just going to have to pick one like the old days. Oh, yes. So if you could, a Thursday song of the day. Well, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to do the instrumental version of this song. I've been listening to it obsessively. Uh, the song was made popular, D, by a group called The Fifth Dimension. Not one of my favorite songs, uh, Up, Up, and Away. But when Hugh Masekela does it, I love it. I listen to it all the time. That's Hugh Masekela, ladies and gentlemen, the pride and joy of South Africa on the trumpet. Oh, that was interesting. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. <laughs> It is Thursday, May 28th, and live from Ben's Attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Illinois State Rep, Delia Ramirez. And now your host, Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Mayor Lightfoot's Kind of Town Thursday. Let me sing it. Mayor Lightfoot's Kind of Town, and here's why. Because Chicagoans love Mayor Lori Lightfoot. That's why. Except my wife, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But everyone else, at least everyone else on the north side, I live on the north side, a point about this. I moved to Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, back in 1981, and I settled on the north side. I've been here ever since. I've seen this remarkable transformation of the north side. It's become wealthier and whiter every year. Uh, this is where I live. It's like Shangri-La in Chicago, as many north siders see it. Like north siders kind of view the north side the way the rest of Illinois views the rest of Illinois, if you follow what I'm saying. It's sort of like, well, this is you know, the perfect place to live on the north side. Anyway, north siders really love 
their community and they love their city and they love their mayor. And if it were a song, uh, they would be, we love LL. You remember that song, D? We love LA. We love it. And then the north side would be love. We love LL. Except my wife. At the moment, uh, Dennis knows because he comes and he, he talks to my wife and he hears her tale of woe. She, as I've said many times, uh, runs a beauty parlor and uh, she's waiting to know uh, if she can open today or and never been... have I heard so many curse words in my life. Like, whoa, hey, <laughs> I, I, holy cow. I know. So, you know, we're looking for like a light. You know what I'm saying? No be pun intended. A green light or a red light. Just any kind of light. I thought this was the mayor. Let the light in light. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so every day I hear I got to share this with you, ladies and gentlemen. Every day uh, I hear this little light of mine. <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. So yesterday, to give you an example, uh, my wife finally got so frustrated. She goes, here's what she wants to know, okay? So because she has a whole bunch of clients that have gone without haircuts for three months, my wife is very dutifully following stay at home. She wears a mask. She uh, supports Mayor Lori Lightfoot's attempt to keep us safe and sound. People want to get their haircuts, and people are starting to hear that it's okay to go get a haircut, go to a beauty parlor, if you take proper precautions, right, D? If you wear the mask, if uh, you make sure you scrub down and uh, clean up after every uh, customer comes in, all those kinds of things, social distancing as much as you can, hand washing, et cetera, and so forth. So everybody knows what they got to do. They're going to do the right, responsible thing. But sooner or later, some point, we've talked about this many times, We'll go back sort of to the way the world was, right? We're going to leave the attic. We're talking about leaving the attic in about two weeks, right, D? I was just talking to a good dear friend of the show, Tommy Shuba. Shout out to Tommy Shuba. He's done excellent work lately for my beloved Bright One. And we'll be talking about his story in a little while. But we were saying, Tom, you know, I think Dennis and I will be making a return to our studio. We're looking forward to that day when we can return. To in other words, we're going to get back to normal. So hairdressers like my wife are just wondering, like, when can we get back to normal? You can't get a straight answer out of the city of Chicago. So it's like Governor Pritzker has said on June 1st that hairdressers can go back to work. They can open up. Barbers can open up. But there's all these safety precautions they have to take. They understand that. They understand there's safety precautions. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. That is, they understand that, D, okay? They get that. But then, of course, there's the little asterisk that Lori Lightfoot reserves the right to have her own rules and regulations. And so hairdressers throughout the city of Chicago, barbers throughout the city of Chicago are looking to Lori for some kind of word, like, when can we open? And they never get it. So what they do is they think... It's going to be June 1st, uh, people line up, they want to make appointments, and then you have to tell them, well, no, the mayor said it can't open then, so let's redo the appointments. Oh, it's inconvenience. Look, I understand. In the total scheme of things, it's a minor matter. It doesn't really matter. People are dying, people are sick, families are in isolation, uh, businesses have just completely gone out of business. The unemployment rate is whatever, it's 25%, I want to say, D, some astronomical number. So I understand the total scheme of things, it's not that important. On the other hand, I don't know, cut us a break. <laughs> you could, you could just say, well, we're gonna, you can open June 1st or you can't open June 1st. I mean, I'm not asking for them. You know, it's not, it's not like I'm trying to figure out when can we open the lakefront. Oh, by the way, all you got to do is we keep parking, keep cars from going in there. You could have opened it up months ago. Anyway, weeks ago, I should say. So, you know, but what they do, uh, and it's not just Lori Lightfoot, but it's, the city does this a lot. 
uh, the state does this. A lot of it, they bring out a doctor who starts rattling off a whole bunch of numbers. So somebody wants something like a, de- a definitive answer, like what date can I open? What can I tell my customers? You know, and they'll be like, well, the, the infection rate is 42%, which is down 32%. There were 400 people who had it last month, and now it's 432. And then they start telling you about how people die. How many people died? Uh, this number of people died. That number of people survived. As compares to life, they just throw numbers at you. And I'm telling you right now, as a person who has lived in the city of Chicago for a long time, I realize that when mayors throw numbers at you, it's generally to confuse you because nothing confuses you. Uh, it works on me every time. <laughs> Kenny Davis talks about this all the time. My dear friend Kenny Davis, we are, you just what you want to do is you want to keep people ignorant. You just throw a bunch of numbers at them. <sighs> Eyes glaze over. Because <sighs> the world's divided into two groups of people. Basically, and this one of my favorite. The world's divided into two groups of people: those who really understand, have just a good comprehension of ratios and the relationship between numbers, that can instantly tell you what the numbers mean, and those like myself and Dennis who are like, "Huh, I have the the, the added burden of dyslexia, so I always reverse the numbers." So you know, you want to confuse Ben, just throw a bunch of numbers at him. Which is why, by the way, it is really bizarre that of all the things in the world, I would have fastened on the TIF program. And just saying that, D, just saying that TIF program, eyes have glazed over. That's the brilliance of the TIF program in the city of Chicago. It's so confusing. It's so complicated. It's just so baffling. And the people, when they talk about it, they're like, and then it's like, eyes glazed. Do whatever you want. Take whatever you want. Spend it wherever you want. Raise my taxes. I don't care. And then you got these aldermen tell me, Ben, you're wrong. It doesn't actually raise taxes. Ooh, what alderman's that that you're doing an impression up there? Who uh, was that? <laughs> trying to pinpoint who that was. I know that wasn't Waggis Pack. Who was that? Uh, uh, Scott, I, I don't know where Scotty is on tips these days. Back in the old days, he was my brother in arms. We were crusaders on this cause. Scooter. You know, now he's the head of the finance committee. Anyway, I still love Scotty Waxbeck, and I'm, I don't care what anybody says. All my friends in lefty land are bashing him, but I still love you, Scott, because you're an old friend. I'm very loyal to old friends, D, as you know. Anyway, so the point is, in the city of Chicago, if you want to keep people ignorant, just throw a bunch of numbers at them. You just talk in circles, and after a while, they just give up. They put their hands in the air and say, do whatever you want. Take whatever you want. I'm just confused. I want to go back to the beach. So (laughs) I'm not... That's my reference to yesterday's uh, conversation about the beach in Florida. Anyway, so I'm not going to talk tips right now. I will say this, though. Dave Glowatz is coming in later today, D. You know Mr. Bike will be here. And Mr. Bike, a fellow TIFF geek. He's not coming in. He's coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Do you you think Mr. Bike will be among one of the people who will come to the studio in return? Nope. You think he's going to be a a caller in her, huh? (laughs) Let's have a prediction right now. Who do you think will come to the studio when we return? Will we be in-studio guest with us without hesitation that first week? Jeff Johnson, Sergio (laughs) Mims. Done. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Yeah, I think you may be wrong. Jeff Johnson inserted uh, David Seaton. Uh, Ramana Hussein, because she will maybe already in the building working as well. Then Tommy, Denise as well. T- T- Denise and Tommy Shuba. Yeah, if we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Evan Moore. By the way, Evan Moore, you have been uh, 
putting out some great stuff on Facebook, really on target. Evan Moore, a Chicago Sun-Times writer, uh, he'll probably come in, don't you think? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, ben, can I just call you from my cell phone? Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, Dave Glass will be in here. Uh, We're going to start getting today. trash. Like, I, the talk, they're trying to talk people into coming to their studio. <laughs> These monsters. Come on, man. It's only like an hour. It's cool. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, I, listen. We, first of all, haven't even gotten the clearance to come back to the studio. We don't know exactly what we're going to do, uh, but we plan eventually to return to the studio, and we totally understand, let's put this out there, if our guests prefer to do phone interviews, right? That's correct. Okay, Robert Mueller. Shout out to Michael Girardi. He says Mark Sims will show up, too. Mark Sims will show and Michael Girardi will show up with that guitar. Yeah, we we want to book you, Michael, uh, for our show uh, yeah. to be on the program. Maybe do some acoustic versions of your hit songs coming up a little later, by the way. Uh, tax increment financing, Speaking the latest which, from Michael Girardi. <laughs> hey, Michael Girardi gets it. He understands the program's a scam. Most Chicagoans say, oh, well, Ben, it's so confusing. I'm just confused. Let the mayor do whatever Excellent she wants. Excellent Mick Dumkey impression. <laughs> now, Mick actually understands Stiffs, okay? He understands Stiffs. may not know who Eddie Haskell is, but he understands Stiffs. All right. Uh, so, uh, but here we go back to uh, Northsiders. Let's go back to Northsiders. The thing is, uh, Northsiders, they love Mayor Lori Lightfoot, as I said. But, you know, it's not that unusual for Northsiders to love a mayor. So it's, Lori could be doing a great job, and I generally give her high marks, D, for the way she has handled this crisis. Uh, I would have voted against giving her the emergency authority to spend money as she wants, but by and large, I feel she's done a good job handling the crisis, okay? Other than uh, driving my wife and other hairdressers crazy by not just coming out and saying when they can open, done a good job, okay? Uh, but, you know, to... I'm not as lo in love with her, as much in love with her as my fellow Northsiders. And uh, as I was saying, Northsiders in general of love mayors. They love mayors so much that they even loved Mayor Rahm. Yes, uh, Mayor Rahm it was perhaps the most disliked mayor in the history of the city of Chicago. Lefties everywhere absolutely hate the guy. But on the North side, it's like, oh, you know, he's not a bad guy. And that's because, when you think about it, of all the mean, dastardly things that Rom did, like, I'm just going to run through a few of them, D. Thank you, Chicago, <laughs> for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how Wait to make the guy feel at home. Yeah! <laughs> I think that was his first election, right? Or was that his second? I, I think it was remember. his first. Was his first? Listen to how happy those people sounded. Oh. That was his first. Well, yeah, they were, of course, they were drunk. But, uh, you know, we're so happy. He's going to continue the TIF program. And stupid Chicago's just going to support it. And their taxes go up and they won't even know it. Anyway, we were saying, oh, of all the bad things that Rahm Emanuel did, like, I'm just going to run through a, just a random list. Just close schools, close mental health clinics, uh, bury evidence of murder, as in the Laquan McDonald case. All, yes, all these are mean, dastardly things that are awful, but he did them to someone else, someone other than a Northsider, like somebody on the South Side or the West Side. So, you know, no wonder Northsiders love Rom so much. You know, a typical conversation I would have with a Northsider back in the day would go something like this. I would be like, 
well, you know, the mayor concealed evidence of murder. And the North Sider would say, yeah, but my kid loves his school. It's an actual conversation, D, I had with someone that you and I both know, and I will not name that person, okay? Someone actually told me this once. But my kid loves his school, so you kind of, come on, man, you're so hard on Mayor Rahm. I mean, I'm like, that is such a classic Chicago attitude to have. Like, all the good in the world stems from the mayor. Like, kids before Rahm didn't love their schools. Like, the teachers that your kid has have anything to do with Rahm. More often than not, your teachers hate Rahm. Or they're in a union that's fighting Rahm. Or they're in a union that's vilified by Rahm. But my kid loves his school. So thank you, Mr. Mayor. The typical Chicago attitude toward the mayor is every morning they wake up, they see the sun in the sky, and they go, ah, the sun is up. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Mayor, and now Ms. Mayor. They love their mayor, people in the city of Chicago. And then they get mad at people like me. Come on, Ben. Take a chill pill, man. Yes, take a chill pill. Beautiful timing from young Dennis there. Can't you just say that glass is half full for the moment. Man, I was really, we're almost at half empty D there, that dyslexia kicking in. Can't you just say something nice? Well, you gotta go, always go on and on about the city's problem. I remember a conversation I had with a um, uh, precinct worker. It took me a while to figure it out. Precinct worker for ROM came to my house, tried to convince me to vote for ROM in 2015. We ended up having a, a shouting match. I threatened to call the cops. The F-bomb may have been dropped one or two times uh, by Don't me. Don't drop it today. You did it like three times yesterday. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I learned my lesson. I'm not going to drop the F-bomb. I'm just going to say F-bomb. There goes the train, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, uh, so the, the, uh, the, the precinct captain was saying, what are you complaining about closing mental health clinics? You live in a beautiful neighborhood. That's the problem. Right there with humanity and it's greater than the city of chicago folks nobody really cares about a problem if it's not happening to them that's the reality you know so that's why northsiders they love mayors because you look at the problems in the city of chicago the really serious problems with the closed schools where there's high crime where people are getting killed on a regular basis where there's no clinics where there's desperation where jobless rates are high those are not on north side neighborhoods. So it's like, yeah, you care about it. You may listen to a news story about it on WBEZ. Uh, guys, come on, huh? Dr. D's sitting right here. Uh, you might read about it in your Ch Chicago Tribune. That, I think that's the paper of choice on the north side. But you know, you know, it's not really something you're gonna care about. It's not gonna motivate you to vote against the mayor, right? I mean, it's like, well, yeah, Ben, you gotta admit, he's done a great job with our neighborhoods. My kid loves his schools. Yeah, the rest of the city, well, you know, can't blame the mayor for that, Ben. Huh? You know? So that is the Chicagoans' attitude toward the mayor, the Northsiders' attitude. That's why they love the mayor so much. Uh, not just this mayor, but the mayor before him and the mayor. Oh, God. Did they love Mayor Daly, D, on the north side? Of, I've, they may have loved Mayor Daly on the north side of Chicago even more than they love Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I'm just gonna say this. It kind of reminds me, don't get mad at me, Northsiders. Don't get mad at me what I'm about to say. 
But your attitude toward your all-powerful mayors... Yeah, they stopped listening like 20 <laughs> minutes ago. Like, yeah, screw this guy. Look, they're there in the alley. Oh, my God, there they are. They are in the alley riding their bikes. Northsiders riding their bikes through the alley without masks. Quick, call Mayor Lightfoot. Uh, <laughs> Way to narc people out on a podcast. <laughs> By the way, if you notice how many random people are using that porta potty now, I'm, I'm, I don't, it's just like everybody's... I guess on the north side, they're really not worried about the whole, you know, pandemic thing. Once again, for those new to the program, we're doing the show uh, these days in Ben's uh, attic, uh, overlooking an alley in a giant orange porta potty. That's correct. It's just the, the number of random people who know about the porta potty, they go use it. Uh, anyway, Northsiders, don't get mad at me. I love you dearly. I live among you. But I'm just saying, your attitude toward your mayors, be they Lightfoot, Emmanuel or Daly. They didn't have that attitude toward Harold Washington. That's interesting. I have to think about why they didn't have that love for Harold Washington. But anyway, your attitudes toward Mayor Lightfoot and Mayor Emanuel and Mayor Daly kind of, kind of remind me a little bit. Don't get mad at me what I'm about to say. I don't want to offend anyone. Just, just pointing this out. Kind of remind me a little bit of the MAGA hats crowd's attitude Toward one Donnie Trump. He can do no wrong. The sun comes up in the morning. Thank goodness Donald Trump is our president. The sun didn't come up like that when Obama was the president. And the show's days are numbered. <laughs> I managed to alienate absolutely everyone, D. No wonder that other place fired me. A kid in his big mouth. Gonna get everybody into trouble. You know, and then here's the MAGA hat crowd. The MAGA hat crowd figured out, they came to the conclusion. And Candace, this is some love to you. They came to the conclusion, somehow or other, in their minds, only black people die as a result of COVID-19. That's their conclusion. MAGA hat America has come to that conclusion as a result. Open things up. It's not happening to them, and it doesn't exist as a problem in the universe. Just saying this, Chicagoans, you got a lot more in common with the MAGA hat crowd than you want to admit. We got a great show today. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh, D. You see those people with the pitchforks? There's the Northsiders coming. He made me say it. I didn't want to say it. He made me say it. Northsiders, I'm really unpopular with them these days, D. Anyway, we have a great show. Delia Ramirez is, uh, I was going to say, coming in the studio. She won't be coming in the studio. We'll be talking to her over the phone. Uh, north side, northwest side, near northwest side, state rep and uh, talking about some of the progressive issues that she's pushing, including protection for renters. There's a radical thought. I don't know how popular it is in the north side, but uh, we'll talk uh, some of the issues of the day with Delia Ramirez. And then after the show, I just can I just promote what we're doing after the show? I prefer it, actually. Uh, okay, Cannabis Conversation. Lisa Solomon, uh, the uh, pharmacist Joseph Friedman, will be talking about does reefer uh, make you... Uh, give you sexual impotency problems well that's hard to say so uh, uh i'm looking forward to that conversation a lot and then after that if that wasn't just thrilling i'm just enough, waiting for how you pronounce it that, when the interview comes up uh I'll, I'll leave that to lisa uh and then uh dave goats will be in uh, the studio we were doing one of our famous uh, deep dives about the city council meetings got all did you get those clips d yeah oh, oh cool yeah i love my favorite part of the dave goats uh, interviews when he goes uh, Dennis, uh, play the clip, uh, Raylo. 
and then like smooth. No, you're not giving him enough credit. He does a very smoothly. Uh, what does he say? Do it, do it. He'll uh, he'll be talking and he'll go, uh, Dennis. We're gonna go ahead and do uh, clip number three now. Oh. Ben, we went to the meeting the other day and I noticed that someone said something very interesting. Here's Maria Hadman. <laughs> yeah, he's and good. Then, boom. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good. And never has been taking notes when <laughs> that happens. Wishing he would. Dennis, but it's always like, Dennis, uh, play clip number three. Right, he's got them all. He's so organized. Ben will go, hey, D, man, you got that clip? <laughs> like, okay, that clip. By the way, you got that clip about the, the rant of the Pennsylvania legislator. Have you heard about this? You didn't ask me to have the clip. Oh, but did I? Did you even hear about it? You know. Yeah, I heard okay. about I it. I, apparently, there was a Republican legislature, a MAGA hat wearer, uh, who was showing up at the resistance rallies without a mask. Turns out he, he had... COVID-19. He was spreading it around. He didn't tell anybody. Oh, it's a heck of a... You know, I try to be nice about MAGA hat wearers, D. You know, I'm uh, constantly trying to say something nice about it, but then they do something stupid like that. What can I say? Anyway, plenty of political talk ahead of us. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the pride and joy of the Mississippi River region. I just made that up today. It's true, though. Uh, the, the river bend, they call it. They call it the river bend. Uh, I'm a riverbender. There's two famous people from Alton, Illinois. One is Dr. D. The other is Miles Davis. I didn't know I was going to say that, did you, D? That's right. Uh, and also one that we don't really like to uh, mention, you know, we don't brag about it, James Earl Ray. That's right. James Earl yeah, Ray. We don't Alton. like to bring that one up too much. I wonder how many my, – my, well, my listeners that are sophisticated about James Earl Ray is the man who killed Martin Luther King. Uh, I did not know he was from Alton. I probably did know that because you yeah. probably told me that before. And I Sorry to it. make it awkward. Yeah, it was kind of an awkward moment. Uh, but I did have an obsession for a while with the whole assassination of Martin Luther King. Maybe one day I'll bring someone on who shares that obsession. We can take that deep dive. Sometimes a obsession of mine. Anyway, the man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie with the news. Miles Davis. Let's remember that one. That other one, that's eh, not. Yeah, I know. Remember that's that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. How's it going, everybody? Let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Uh, okay, well, Fred weighed in on the live stream chat. Okay, you're not using the porta potty. I'm not giving you Ben's address. It's <laughs> uh, disgusting, Fred. <laughs> you don't want to use the porta potty, okay? Oh, and also we have a, a new person joining us on the live stream chat. Adam, Adam, what's up? Adam says, hey, 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 hey. Hi, Adam. Hello. Okay. Well. All right. Now, let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. First up, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Today, the governor is back in Chicago. He was downstate yesterday. Did he have a pork steak? Well, he's crazy if he didn't. <laughs> Things are delicious. That's what Bob Dabber said. That's, yeah, and he was right. But JB is back in Chicago, and at 2.30 this afternoon, he's back at the Thompson Center for his Thursday COVID-19 press briefing. All right, new day, new person, politician, or industry demanding that the governor open the hell back up. And Ben, because you're such a cinephile, uh, you may be on board with this group of people who are uh, needling Pritzker at the moment to open back up. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and, you guessed it, Fran the Woman Spielman. Movie theaters pressure Pritzker to loosen up and allow them to open at 50% capacity. Now, Ben, I've... Never met a human being who went to the movie theater as much as you. If you can recall, when was the last time you were at the movie well, theater? Well, I can recall. It, 
just so you know, I'm going to be honest for once in my life. For once in my life. I there you go, listeners. Until me. now, Ben is just lying to you. <laughs> for once in my life, I will be openly, totally, completely honest. All right, Dave? Uh, so I remember the last time I went to the movies. I remember which movie theater I went to. I remember where I ate before I went to the movies. Ooh, and I wow. remember who I was with. But I could not. When you asked, when you asked me this earlier, I could not remember what movie i saw i drew a blank so uh here's the honesty part i took a look at my diary and saw what movie i saw the last movie i saw and you know what when i saw it i still drew a blank whoa it was i i know man whoa someone is erasing my memory now you're just getting old (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm getting old man uh, and uh, so I had to look it up on the internet, and then as soon as I saw what it was, like, oh my god, it was a totally, completely forgettable movie. And yet, at the time when I saw it, D, I loved it so much, I was crying. <laughs> I am such a sap for sentimental movies. Anyway, it was called The Way Back, and it starred Ben Affleck. I don't think anybody other than my wife and her good friend Jeannie saw that movie, and I dragged them. Why? It's a basketball movie. No, oh. he plays a recovering alcoholic who is a coach of a high school basketball team. How about that as a movie? Do you ever do you remember it at all, D? I talked about it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, do you remember it at all? No. Anyway, uh, like I said, it's a completely forgettable movie as evidenced by the fact that I completely forgot I saw it. But at the time, I really loved it. So that's the, uh, the answer to your question, D. The Way Back. And I believe, oh, let me look at the date to, to confirm. Yes, it was, oh my God, this was a long time ago. Uh, Saturday, March 7th. That's correct. Saturday, March 7th. Yeah, that's a long time ago. What was the last movie that you seen in the movie theaters? If you're listening on the live stream, uh, weigh in on the chat. All right, well, let's continue here with Fran's article. Fran says, movie theater owners are pressure, uh, pressuring, I can talk, Governor J.B. Pritzker to let them reopen to additional capacity this summer to boost ticket revenue and pave the way for major studios to release their traditional summer blockbuster. Yes, please, open up. Steven Spielberg needs a third yacht. <laughs> He actually does not have a movie coming out this summer. Old Spielberg. Pritzker wants to keep... (laughs) Did you come up with that? Yes. That's not from the Fran Spielman article? Believe it or not. No. That's an excellent line. See what you're missing, B-E-Z? He got tons of those. Every day. He keeps coming up with... Subtlety is better. But anyway, Pritzker wants to keep movie theaters closed until phase four of his five-phase strategy to restore Illinois. Let's begin with phase one. (laughs) JB... You keep doing that. We've gone over. Fa- no one cares about phase one anymore. Wait, right? when does phase four start? Oh, who knows? <laughs> okay. We're still trying to get into phase three, pal. Uh, All right. Uh, Pritzker wants to keep movie theaters closed until phase four of his five-phase strategy to restore Illinois, June 26th at the earliest, and cap the number of movie patrons at 50 per theater. Chris Johnson, president of the National Association of Theater Owners of Illinois, is not overly concerned. By the way, who knew that was a thing? The National <laughs> Association of Theater Owners of Illinois. I did not know about that. They should. I should be a charter member of that group. I'm supporting them. Okay? Between, yeah, I would say I would mm, at least a movie a week in the theater. So, you guys, you could send me some a ticket for... Popcorn or something, huh? Show some love. Okay, people on the live stream chat, quit talking about the porta potty. 
Fred says we're going to start a porta potty party. And we'll. <laughs> I'm just saying, Fred, it's what I see when I look out the window. It's kind of hard. <laughs> it's like this big orange thing. Jeff asks, is there teepee in that porta potty? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, but a lot of people use it. That's for sure. Dr. Doobie will roll a doobie in there after the show, and I'll let you know, all right? Not really doing that. Yeah. All right. Dr. Doobie. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's move on Wait, Let's here. go back. By the way, hold on. Let me just say, he wants 50, you know, if, if I may, if, if I may, I know you're in the middle of something, but if I may, if I may, uh, some movie theaters, uh, D, I know you haven't been to a movie theater in a while, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to help you out here. They got these new kinds of movie theater, which aren't that kind of new, but it's probably new. Well, it's been that long since I went to a movie, but go ahead. And there's limited seating in these movie theaters, and they have these kickback chairs. Have you? Did you ever go to one of these kinds of movie theaters where the they got these really nice leather chairs that lean back? Uh, first time I ever saw what movie did I oh, see? What a North Sider you are. Uh, they, yeah, no. <laughs> I wonder if they're anywhere other than the North Side or the North Shore suburbs. It could be. No, they have them in. Um, Skokie, in the movie theater in Skokie. I love that movie theater. By the way, that's where I saw The Way Back. Uh, so maybe it could just be like a suburban thing. I don't know. But you sit back, D. Uh, the Shallows. You ever see The Shallows, D? I love that band, but no, never seen the movie. There's actually a band called? No, no. First movie I ever saw like this was The Shallows. Great movie, by the way. Anyway, but anyway, the point is, I think there's maybe 50 seats in one of these theaters. So how are you going to handle that, huh? Huh, Mr. Movie Guy? Huh? Mr. Johnson, figure that out, okay? You guys think uh, J.B. Pritzker's job is so easy? <laughs> I just say, I think J.B.'s got a harder job than Lori Life. We'll get into this later. What was the last movie J.B. Pritzker saw in movie theaters, you think? I am uh, The Shallows. He loves Blake Lively. That's correct. Uh, no, I have no idea. Does Pritzker like movies? He likes the Eagles, and he likes Steve Miller. Why would I know? Shout out to Kyle. Kyle, you and me are on the same uh, wavelength today here, pal. The last movie that he saw in theaters, Jojo Rabbit. Me too. Great. Me too. Was that the last movie you saw? Yeah, it was in November. Okay, great flick. I urge everybody to run. Don't walk to see it. I remember where I saw that movie, D. That was a great movie, man. It's a pandemic. You can walk. It's fine. Take your time. Yes, walk. (laughs) Okay. You, there's nowhere you can run. I think that's actually in the red box. Steve. Kyle also says, oh, I'm enjoying this new uh, bit from Ben. Hey, WBEZ, take my producer away from me. <laughs> no, no, we, we're going to work out a deal, BZ. I get him. I still get a hold of him. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, let me just clarify that. Thank you, Kyle. You, you get to have him part-time. I get to have them the rest of the time. Well, for this to work, uh, WBEZ has to have interest in hiring me. Yeah, I don't that's, think that's really the problem. <laughs> take a look at that resume. Oh, he's from south of I-80. We're not hiring. You're the pork steak guy? <laughs> oh, only Harvard grads here. <laughs> not helping my chances. Okay. Chris Johnson. Let's keep talking about Chris Johnson, all right? Uh, Chris Johnson, not overly concerned about waiting until phase four. His major complaint is the 50-person cap. Johnson called this unreasonably low at a time when a handful of theaters like the Pickwick in Oak Park, the Tivoli in Downers Grove, and Chicago's Music Box. Don't get Ben started on the audio at the Chicago. (laughs) Ben will go for hours about that place's audio. But uh, they still seat 1,000, while remodeled theaters 
With those recliners, Ben was talking Wait, time about. Out. Did they actually say that? With those recliners? With recliners, yeah. Uh, remodel theaters with recliners, quote, have already taken out two-thirds of their seating. In those theaters, social distancing can easily be maintained. Uh, Chris Johnson says here, quote, we want to have the capacity rather than a hard 50 based on social distancing. So that if you have a bigger auditorium and you could seat groups six feet apart, whatever that number is would be allowed. We're not going to be crowded until we get new product into the theater, and we can't get new product into the theater until there's theaters that are open with capacity to justify it. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. He actually said that? Yeah. Wow, he used a metaphor. Give him credit, man. And he knew about the recliners. Oh, wait a minute. He's in the industry. He would know about the the recliners. Look, this is a classic case. Just imagine if I were married to the head of the, what is it, movie theaters of Illinois, something or other. (laughs) I would be utterly obsessed with this topic because I would be hearing about it day and night, which is, you know, like me with hairdressers, right? I hear about it all the time. So I'm with you. Uh, Johnson is his name, right? Yep, Chris Johnson. We got to be reasonable. We have to measure the need for safety, uh, but we also have to take into consideration the pocketbooks of people like the movie theater owners. So, yes, be reasonable and figure stuff out. Shouldn't be that hard. Just don't hit us over the head with, you know, an array of numbers that we don't even know if make any sense to justify what? I don't know. Nothing? <laughs> Doing nothing? Sorry. And hats off to Chris Johnson. Boy, you take this job seriously, sir. I had to keep looking back and forth. Wait, is he talking about the Army or movie theater? Nope, just going to the movies. That's what he's talking about. Very serious about people going to the movies. Well, it's his business. It's his livelihood. He wants people. And Chris Johnson, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'll be back. Yep, I will go back to the movies. I love movies. One of the things I've missed, one of the things at the top of the list I really miss, my family number one, I have to say. I haven't seen my kids in ages uh, but number one of things non-family related, uh, miss going to the movies. All right, so let's say uh, the state of Illinois opens up the, th- the movie theaters. When's Ben Jarofsky going back? Say they open them um, in June. When's Ben Jarofsky going back? First Saturday. The first Saturday? Yep, first Saturday. And uh, yeah, my wife and I will go. We'll be wearing our masks. Just speaking for your wife just like that. She's going to go too? Oh, just- yeah. We, we, we actually, it's not like we haven't had this conversation many times. God, I miss the movies. Because, like, all these movies, like, uh, what did we just see? What was it called? Love Sick or something like that, which was a so-so movie, uh, comedy. And uh, we saw it on Netflix, and we we're like, you know, this is okay. It would have been a lot better on in the big screen. Everything's better on the big screen. But people have gotten so used not to going to movies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I always say that Chris Johnson, you're going to love me, what I'm about to say. So you're welcome, Chris Johnson, who I never even heard of before. You know, because they go, Ben, it's so expensive. I go, did you know that on Tuesday it's $5 movie night? And That's correct. Oh, really? Oh. So, no excuses. Okay. It's actually not just Evanston D. Movie theaters throughout the Shout out to Jim. He asked a great question. What about drive-in movies? Those are kind of popping back up. Yeah. You going to go to one of those? uh, I'm not a huge fan of drive-in movies, okay? And I'll tell you why. I don't want to be in my car. I want to be in a movie theater. But you know what? God bless you. You like a drive-in? Go to the drive-in. Knock yourself out. Just not my way. Do you own a projector? A projector? No. Me? Yeah. (laughs) No. I figured I'd ask. <laughs> uh-uh. What if you got like a little screen and a projector and played movies in the backyard? Uh, I doubt I'll do that. But one time, as long as we're in confessional time, oh. uh, years ago, I watched which fight? 
It may have been Mayweather. No, I can't remember which fight it was. It could have been a Tyson fight. It was a long time ago. But my neighbors, they, they projected the fight on to their, uh, uh, their garage. And I was walking the dog, and I stood uh, on the sidewalk and watched the fight. So that's as close as I've done to uh, watching projections, backyard projections. Yeah, as if anybody's wondering about me, uh, I can go without. The, I can go the rest of my life without going to the movie theater. So we'll see how that goes out. Yeah, it depends who the next romantic interest in your life is. That'll change. Oh, that's but, a good. Yeah, that's I mean, a good point. I mean, yeah, that's a good. That point. would change in a heartbeat. Uh, and I'm not going to get into Dennis's personal life. I'm just saying that at various times in his life. The the uh, the significant other really loved the movie. So guess who was going to the movie? Oh, I saw oh, Jesus. this one. I saw that one. I go, God dang, man! Did you know, Ben, that on uh, Tuesdays it's five dollar movie night? All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next story. Just saying. <laughs> now, as you're well aware, Fran the Woman Spielman is a beast. When it comes to journalism in the city of Chicago. But there is another reporter making a name for himself these days, even during this damn dirty pandemic. And Ben wanted to show him a little love. So uh, let's do that. He's our Sun-Times colleague. We miss him. He's smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> it's Tommy Two-Joint Shuba. Yeah, Tommy Two-Joint Shuba. Tom Shuba, one of the hardest working reporters in the city of Chicago. And uh, he would come to... Uh, Back in the good days when we were in the studio, and he, he was the reefer writer at the Chicago Sun-Times. The man knows more about, more about cannabis than anyone I've ever seen, with the exception of Lisa Solomon, who uh, is uh, my co-host when we do cannabis conversations. Uh, but uh, Tom Shuba, I knew a lot about cannabis, but you know, you notice that he's, they, they, they've sometimes people, they're like, oh my God, this guy's really good. So they assign him to do all kinds of stories now, D. So he's not just writing about reefer. You know, he's beyond reefer. And uh, so he's, he's, he's gone to churches uh, and he's written stories about, uh, you know, the, the, the revolt of the pastors. They want to open up the churches. Uh, he's done stories about, this is so funny because he's a typical reporter and most reporters, oh, I shouldn't let this out of the bag, but don't really know a lot about science. But he does a lot of COVID-19 stories, excellent stories. He's a fast learner. So he's one of my favorite reporters, Tommy Two Joints Shuba. And he did a big story today. You got to talk about it, D? No, it's all you, pal. Oh, you want me to talk about it? That's what, Remember that pre-show meeting we had? Uh, no, that was like at least two hours ago. Good to uh, know. All right, hold on. Let me find it. Hold on. Let me see. Tom Shuba. Now, D, man, you just throw me that uh, Tom Shuba story, man, and I am on it. Yeah, but I forgot what it was about. Hold yeah, on. There we go. Hold on. Wait, nope. I think uh, I'm pre-show meetings. All right. Woo! <laughs> Those oh, are valuable. <laughs> Hold on, man. I'm almost there. No, let's see. Okay, I'm going to start at the beginning of my Sun Times. And just bear with me. Oh, there's the story about Pritzker and the... Uh, there we go. Oh, this is an excellent story by Tom Shuba and David Struett. Uh, am I pronouncing his name right, D? Struett? Uh, I don't, I'm sorry, David. I don't I'm know. not the guy to go to for that one. Uh, you went to a radio school? Hello. And uh, so this is a, a this is a really good story. Chicago cops allege ties to Proud Boys. And the Proud Boys is an online far-right group uh, that has a small contingent in the Chicago area. I'm reading from Tommy's uh, lead. Uh, and uh, there is a Chicago police officer. Uh, I guess his name is Robert Abacher. And the police department is investigating his alleged ties uh, to the Proud Boys that, um, that he has apparently been on their uh, live feed uh, 
writing back and forth messages. And I got to tell you this now to see, this is, uh, this is one of those areas of free speech. And I love talking free speech issues because I believe in a freedom of speech. And yet, I realize there are limitations. For instance, let's just talk about my life, D, if we go, okay? And, well, we never uh, do that on this show. <laughs> so, you know, everybody knows I got fired from a job talking on the radio. That's correct. Okay, and it was probably because my big mouth... I talked about things that the people who ran the radio station didn't want to hear. At me and my big mouth. I only listened to what everybody told me. Um, yeah. That's correct. <laughs> so there are limitations uh, to the freedom of speech that we have. If you your boss doesn't like what you have to say, you're gone. So if you're a Chicago police officer, and I'll say this, nobody is a bigger supporter of the Chicago police officers right to get that contract come on Lori come on Mayor Lightfoot let's get them their contract I always have to say that and no one is a bigger supporter of making sure that the pension plan is well funded so look the man going into porta potty man going in the port I'm sorry I just saw that uh but where was I oh so um you know but having said that I don't I mean just putting it as objectively as I can, I don't think it's a good look for a Chicago police officer to be participating with a far-right group uh, with its racist overtones like the Proud Boys. And uh, particularly when the city of Chicago has been grappling with the issue of police brutality for as long as I can remember. I'm an old guy. This goes back to the 70s as far as I know, and I'm sure it went way back before then. I wasn't around. Even I wasn't around then. So I just don't think it's a good idea for the city of Chicago. That's just like when the, the uh, I blanked on his name just now, but the new head of the Chicago, the Fraternal Order of Police, was photographed with his in full uniform with a sign saying, I stand for the national anthem. Uh, I support the president. I support the Second Amendment. I don't know if that, you know, like you're you're working in a city, eighty five percent at least, or maybe it's eighty to eighty five percent. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Voted against Donald Trump, he's utterly reviled. So I just don't know if it's a good idea. I understand that you have a you may have a compelling urge to say exactly what you believe at all the time. I I, I feel you, but there are consequences to you doing that. I could tell you this. I got fired. You know what I'm saying? You speak too much about the TIP program in the city of Chicago, sooner or later you're going to get in trouble unless you work for the Chicago Reader. God bless the Chicago Reader, okay? so Or unless you're like, Dick K, that guy's a saint. He gets away with everything. I'm not going to say one bad word about Dick K. No, he's, he's awesome. A, he's a legend on Saturday. So, you know, there's limitations to it. And now in the article, and, and I give Tom Shuba credit, he really made the extra effort to get a a response from the officer Bacher. I presume, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. What's your language? I'm just saying what the B, B, okay. Uh, and then Bacher says, quote, I cut all my ties with them shortly after. Officer out. Gaylord Bacher? <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Ben Stiller, one of his finest movies. He is so good in that. <laughs> Please don't arrest me. 
Uh, anyway, uh, though he, uh, he admits that he invited other members of the group chat to hang out, Bacher said those interactions weren't tied to any affiliation with the Proud Boys and were simply, quote, impromptu gatherings to have a few drinks and have discussions. He said that some of the meetings included African-Americans, Latinos, Jews, and even a Marxist. I love that, even a Marxist. Uh, and that their presence proves that the accusations against him are wrong. The investigation carried out by anti-fascists is baseless, Bakker said. I do not support violence by any group. That's really good to hear. And uh, so if that's the case, it's cool. But I just don't think, to put it mildly, it's a good idea for a member of the Chicago Police Department uh, to have an affiliation with a far-right uh, group with racist overtones. I just think about the city you live in. And it's just like what I was saying earlier about Northsiders. Northsiders kind of live in this little you know, fantasy world, we're all as well, and their mayors are perfect, and because their life is good. Well, maybe, you know, not everybody has it as good as you. So, I don't know, just think about that every now and then. So, that's what I would say uh, to, you know, my brothers and sisters in Chicago Police Department. You know, maybe deep down inside you love uh, Donnie Trump for whatever reason. You like to comb over. I don't know. You like... You like what? What was the name of that show D, he had for years and years? I just blanked on it. You're fired. The show. Apprentice. Yeah, maybe you like The Apprentice. Who knows what? Why you like Donald? I can't figure out why anybody likes Donald Trump, but you know, to each his own. But I just don't think it's a really good idea to promote that in a city like Chicago, where everybody else, uh, pretty much not everybody else, but most other people, utterly despise Donald Trump and what he represents. Particularly and especially since Donald Trump has been so hostile to the notion that police should be held accountable for something like, I don't know, shooting Laquan McDonald. So that's a very serious issue that the city is confronting and that the Fraternal Order Police will be negotiating with the police department over, the specific language that goes into a contract that protects the rights, the due process rights of police officers. I understand all this stuff has to be in a contract, but you also have to understand that this history goes back a long time. So I don't know, maybe not a great idea. You may have the First Amendment right, free expression right to, you know, hang out with your friends and love the president or wear the MAGA hat. I don't know if it's a great idea to be holding up a I love President Trump sign while you're in, in uniform. Well, I tell you, two times today on the program, Ben Jarofsky has uh, linked Trump supporters and Northsiders together. We promise we want listeners, all right? <laughs> Please keep listening to this show. Uh, I know, I gotta watch what, what I What are you say. doing today? I don't know. It's something I must have woke up on the wrong side of. Got a lot of sleep last night. I don't like yesterday, D. Oh, like nice. Two hours. What time did you wake up today? Early, I'm assuming, right? Well, not by your standards of early. Dennis is usually up at six to go fishing and <laughs> cut wood or whatever. Um, what a time. About 9.40. Oh, 9.40. That's actually pretty early for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, it's one of those things where I got up around 8.30 and read and then went back to sleep about 9. Woke up at 9.40. I was talking about that with Thomas Shuba today uh, when I chatted with Tom on the phone. That uh, Since the pandemic, since we've been working at home, it's like there is no real clock. You know, and I'm up at 4 or 5. It's just like... There's no schedule anymore, which is part of the reason why I want to get back to the studio. All right. Once again, shout out to our good friend and colleague, Tommy, to join Shuba. No, guy, I don't think he's actually smoking in the bathroom. Now, that is a term of affection 
for one of the hardest working journalists in the city of Chicago. <laughs> That's how we do it. You know what I mean? All right, everybody. So we got one more thing that we would like to discuss with you today. Weigh in on the live stream chat, by the way. You can find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on both Facebook and Twitter. And you can send us an email, Show at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know your thoughts. And also, you can send us a voicemail. 708-658-4788. That's correct. 708-658-4788. That is the number to reach the Ben Jarofsky Show. We had a voicemail yesterday. It was from Matt. Ben, you enjoyed that voicemail, didn't you? Immensely. We had a lot of fun uh, riffing on it. Good times. So you can do the same. 708-658-4788. All right. The final story that we would like to talk about here, it's actually a poll. Yes, you know how we love polls here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, let's, so let's go through it here. Uh, it's a simple three-question citywide poll conducted on Tuesday, May 26th. This poll was recently conducted by a group called Ogden and Fry. Ben, are you more of an Ogden or a Fry guy? <laughs> Which one do you prefer? Uh, isn't there a basketball player named Fry? Channing Fry? I'm going with, uh, with Fry. Well, there was a basketball player with, uh, no, that was Odin, wasn't it? Greg Odin. There was yes. no basketball player named Ogden. Not so. that I know. There's an Ogden Drive in the city of Chicago, uh, but I don't believe it's named for a basketball player. Very interesting. He's more of a Fry guy. All right. Well, this is a simple three-question citywide poll. Plus, I love fish. Who doesn't? No, but I had a friend, uh, Fish Fry. Sorry. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Shit's Creek, ladies and gentlemen, starting to influence me. Go ahead, young man. All right, let's talk about this uh, this poll here. It's regarding approval of executive handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, there were 524 respondents, 292 females, 232 males, with an age range of 18 to 65 years of age. Respondents were selected by random samplings of likely uh, 2020 general election voters. Once again, this is a uh, questionnaire regarding the approval of executive handling of the Corona Time virus out. Likely voters. Like, that, likely voters. Yeah, I, that's, that always troubles me. I'm, I'm, I'll just insert this before you go any further, D. Always troubles me, the likely voter thing. And we've had pollsters on to try to explain it. And listen to a pollster explain the process of determining who's a likely voter and who's not a likely voter is sort of like listening to a planning department official plan explain tiffs. You know what I'm saying, D? It's sort of like, I think they just randomly reach in and throw somebody, ah, you know, I don't think he's going to vote, boom. Now, no, watch if a pollster would all know, Ben, you don't understand. <laughs> There's a scientific logic that governs our uniform. But I don't believe him, D. I'm just saying, <laughs> likely voters, huh? Shout out to Pat Rod. He says Ogden and Fry is an intersection. Ogden, is it? Is it? Yeah, Ogden Avenue. How I far does so. it go? Yeah, I guess so. Very good. Yeah, Pat Rod, what's up, man? All right, so uh, let's go through this poll here once again. This is a poll regarding the approval of executive handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Question number one: <laughs> Do you approve or disapprove of the job Donald Trump is doing handling? The coronavirus outbreak now, wait, time out. in are the these, United States. Are these residents of Chicago exclusively or Illinois? I believe it's the city of Chicago. Just Chicago? Yes. You sure it's not the state of Illinois? Let me read this again. Let's go back. 
Let's go back. Focus, Ben. Focus. This was a poll recently conducted by a group called Ogden and Fry. Uh, simple three-question citywide poll. Citywide. Very good. Said it like three times okay. for the fourth time. All I right, just now. wanted Let to make sure. Okay. <laughs> Question one. Do you approve or disapprove of the job Donald Trump is doing handling the coronavirus outbreak in the United States? We have strongly approve, somewhat approve, somewhat disapprove, strongly disapprove, or uh, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> I'm a Chicagoan. <laughs> <laughs> don't know is in last place, 27. Wait, wait, that's percent or number of votes? The, the count. Oh, so did they do a percentage? 5.2%. All right, thank you. That's all I needed to know. All Boy, right. this is what we needed to go over on the pre-show meeting, huh? <laughs> but you would forgot it anyway. All right, so don't know. two Or 5.2%. Uh -huh. Somewhat approve. 6.1%. Uh -huh. Somewhat disapprove. 7.3%. Uh -huh. Strongly approve. 7 17.6%. Wait, strongly approve? Strongly approve. 17.6%. Right. Strongly disapprove. 63.9%. Uh, what about just mildly disapprove? They don't have that? Nope. Yeah. There's five things. They don't have a sixth. Uh, so it's interesting. They have a strongly approve and an approve. I don't believe this poll. I'm telling you right now, I know people in the city of Chicago. I know my, well, let me think about this. Hold it, D. I got to see how much, I think, I can't remember. I should have looked it up. Frank, if you're out there, do me a favor. 2016, what percentage of the vote did Donald Trump get in the city of Chicago? The percentage he got. Uh, I think if you add that 17.6% together with the strongly approve, with the 6% approve you get over 20 no way no way 23 percent of the vote in chicago approve of the do job donnie trump has done i just sorry sorry po that's what happens when you start with the uh, likely voter stuff so who's not getting counted in this the likely voter you get what i'm saying Dave? that see that see that? that's why i raised that when you said the likely voters so i think you're not including some people because i do not believe that if you took 100 chicagoans and put them in a room you could find 23 of them that would give an approval to Donald Trump. Sorry, not going to happen in the city of Chicago. Unless you don't count most of the people who live in the city of Chicago. Okay, next question. Do you approve or disapprove of the job Governor J.B. Pritzker is doing handling the coronavirus outbreak here in Illinois? In it, 5.1%. Uh, I don't know. And at 8.7, I'm sorry, 7.2% somewhat disapprove. Yeah. At 8.7%, strongly disapprove. Somewhat approve, 22.3%, leaving 56.6% strongly approving the job J.B. Pritzker wow. is doing, handling the coronavirus outbreak here. Dang, man, J.B., they love you in the city of Chicago. So you add those two together. Hold on, here comes a great moment in, uh, in mathematics. Ch -ch 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 just call me Danny Biss. 78% basically approved the job J.P. Pritzker. Now that makes a little more sense. That correlates a little bit more with voting patterns. You got what I'm saying? That, that There's a correlation I can see between the way people actually vote and what this poll says. That Donald Trump thing, man, come on. People are, you know what? People are just lying to this pollster. Or they're just only, you know, asking some people. I'm not a perfect person. 
Question number three. Do you approve or disapprove of the job Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is doing handling the coronavirus outbreak? At 3%, it's... Uh, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I'm a Chicagoan. Huh? Man. <laughs> I'm not that bright. <laughs> Don't know. At 3%. Uh, my fellow Chicagoans. Uh, uh, and at 7%, <laughs> somewhat disapprove. Uh-huh. Strongly disapprove, 9.6%. Wow. Okay. All right. 20.2% somewhat approve, leaving 60.2% strongly approving the yeah. job Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is doing handling the coronavirus outbreak. And uh, on the north side, it's 98.1% strongly approve. Ben, stop criticizing the mayor. Don't say anything bad about her. Oh, north siders. Uh, that, again, more correlation uh, with the reality of how people vote. By the way, Frank, thank you very much. Uh, just uh, texting me the answer I needed to know. Uh, according to Chicago Magazine, Trump only got 12.5% of the vote in Chicago in 2016. I stand by. Thank you very much, Frank. That poll is flawed. You cannot tell me in a city in which Donnie Trump got less than 13% of the vote, 12.5% of the vote, that 17% uh, approve of the job he's done. Sorry, sorry, Ogden and Fry, not buying it. <laughs> sorry. All right, don't find him at the next Ogden and Fry corporate party. He will not be there. Our host Ben Jarovsky. By the way, Ogden and Fry, uh, North Siders D. By the way, we love Lori. All right, just kidding. I made that up. I do not know where they. Were. I don't even know if they're from Chicago. Please keep listening, North Siders. Okay, uh, that's the poll from Ogden and Fry. Uh, oh, we got a little uh, copy here at the end to read. Ogden and Fry strives to increase the accuracy of political polling by measuring voters most likely to vote based on their voter history. Voting is a socialized behavior with predictable reliability and consistency. Ogden uh, and Fry maintains a database with 20 years of voting history. Uh, for this survey, respondents were randomly selected for those who voted in the last one of three general elections. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> so wait a minute, Ogden and Fry. So you had to have voted in one of the last three elections to uh, be uh, get to participate in this poll. That means what? I don't know what they... So that means you didn't... If you didn't vote in the last three elections, you didn't get to participate in this poll, you're not part of your survey. Ah, listen, you know what? When you start asking pollsters, D, about the tricks of the trade, it gets very... It's sort of like, listen, like I said, a city. Well, Ben, you don't understand about the tip. <laughs> this is the way the program works. You take the money from here, you take it from there. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, you confused? Good. I'm kind of confused after uh, reading this poll. Yeah, no, I tell you, the Ogden and Fry poll. I tell you this: this is what you need to know. Ogden and Fry, North Side of Chicago, loves Lori Lightfoot. Uh, most of the city of Chicago loves JB Pritzker. The advantage that Lori Lightfoot has over JB Pritzker is not that she's doing that much a better job than JB Pritzker. Is that she does not have to govern in MAGA hat country where they hate J.B. Pritzker. So it's it's like, I would say that J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot are comparable. You know what I mean? The job they've done, they, they've taken a very strong stand uh, to protect the public. The issue is with like the specifics, as I said, like when are you going to tell businesses they can reopen? Exactly. Be a little faster on, on that point. But they've taken a strong stand. And as a result, they're reviled by people who don't think the uh, outbreak is serious. And people don't think the outbreak is serious if it's not affecting their communities. So that's why J.B. Pritzker has a higher disapproval rating in the state of Illinois than Lori Lightfoot. 
Excellent. There we go, guys. So uh, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking with State Rep. Delia Ramirez. We're going to be talking about uh, rent. For those who are listening who haven't uh, paid rent during this pandemic, yeah, turns out State Illinois doesn't really have your back at the moment. The only thing they, get, they have really is uh, a ban on eviction. So the one thing standing between you and your uh, your landlord who's getting more passively aggressive by the day about wanting to kick you out of the building. The one thing that stands between that is JB Pritzker. So uh, he's trying to keep that uh, ban going on evictions. But other than that, that's about it. So we're going to be talking to Delia Ramirez. She's the state rep who's really fighting for the people of Chicago uh, who can't make it on their rent here. So we're going to be talking more with her about that. Don't go anywhere, everybody. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you by Ogden and Fry. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Definitely not true. <laughs>
the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. back everybody we're going to be calling state rep delia ramirez now Let's see how it goes part of the show don't say uh-oh no oh, come on i love this part of the show uh-oh. delia ramirez <laughs> pride and joy of the fourth legislature. delia yes all right it worked eh? works every time hey, how are you? <laughs> i'm doing okay i just want to let you know uh, that uh, we are uh, doing our show, and we've been doing our show for uh, Delia for the last three months from my attic overlooking an alley. So, <laughs> you know, everybody's doing what they can uh, in this day and age, although we're slowly emerging, uh, it seems like. Um, why don't you tell folks a little bit about your life, uh, Delia, since, oh, good, I haven't talked to you in a while, but uh, it, since the. Yeah, um, it's been forever. Yeah, it's, it's been forever. We've been very neglectful not bringing you back to the show. First of all, tell fo- people. <laughs> About your the uh, from the fourth legislative district, tell folks where that is. A lot of our listeners are from outside of Chicago, so just tell them uh, where your yeah. district is. So my district in the near northwest side of the city of Chicago. So I uh, encompass most of Humboldt Park, a little bit of Logan Square, a little bit of Hermosa, most of Wicker Park, Bucktown, East Village, Ukrainian Village neighborhoods in the near northwest side of the city. And uh, so for people who are younger don't realize this, when I first moved to the city of Chicago uh, five billion years ago, this area that Delia <laughs> represents was largely working class area. Um, a lot of Puerto Rican families lived there. Some black families lived there. Uh, and uh, so uh, white working class families. It wasn't a well-to-do area. It's gentrified. This is part of the issue that... Uh, is like on the top of everyone's mind. It's a, it's a rapidly gentrifying area. So in many cases, uh, Delia, you are feeling a need to balance the needs of people who are getting moved out uh, as a result of gentrification. Do you agree with me when I say that? Yeah, I'd say uh, moving out and oftentimes feeling emotionally like they're forced to move out. Um, this is, like you said, Ben, a neighborhood where, you know, as I knocked on doors the first time I ran around, and, and as I continue to talk to folks, um, just doing my housing fairs of past last year, um, last summer, not this summer, but uh, just talking to people, people said to me, you know, Rep, I've been here for 50 years. I raised my children here. I intended to, to die in this house, but this is going to be the last summer I'm here. Uh, I, I moved here 25 years ago, or I've been a tenant here for 10 years, and I started paying $700 a month. And then when my landlord had to forcefully sell his house because he couldn't come up with the property taxes of the new owner or oftentimes the whatever market developer that purchased it, managing broker that's managing it, doesn't care who I am, who I am in the community, that I, I'm on a fixed income or any other, they expect me to pay $1,800 a month. Um, and, and for some of us, we know that $1,800 a month is probably someone's monthly salary. So the challenges are growing and growing and growing. And I've always said that Housing and education, healthcare and public safety go hand in hand. When you don't have stable housing, a community that has stability when it comes to housing, you're certainly going to see our school suffer. You're going to see healthcare disparities. People are choosing between their diabetes medication, oftentimes like my own family, and, and paying their own mortgage or their rent or the property taxes. 
I represent a district that in the last assessment, property tax assessment, saw a 40% increase. I personally saw a 40% increase in my in my mortgage. What happens to seniors who are on a fixed income? And because they own their property, they still have to pay supplements of the medication, and the list goes on. So, you know, Ben, for me, these things are not just a conversation with someone who shared this with me. Um, it's part of why I ran. This is my own family, my own community, um, my neighbors who have said, we need leaders who are not going to roll up their sleeves and say something pretty, but are going to roll up their sleeves and get to work for us uh, because we're dying here, um, particularly when, when you face things like the pandemic that we're in and people were already devastated because of housing markets, because of wages, and the list goes on. Before we get into the specific pro, uh, proposals that you and other progressives have uh, advanced on this issue of housing, Deli, let me ask you what it's been like uh, as a progressive championing these views to, to fight inequities going down to Springfield. And traditionally, I don't view Springfield as being particularly hospitable to ideas like the ones that you're advancing. You understand what I'm saying? It's like... I totally understand what you're saying. Oh, that's a bunch of lefty stuff, you know, that you read in Ben Jarofsky. We don't really care about that stuff down here. Basically, was the attitude. You know, you got to be realistic. Uh, you know, you got to cut a deal and you, you trim yeah. your sales a little bit, calm down, you know, blah, blah, blah. What is the attitude? What has the attitude by the powers that be been to you uh, and uh, your yeah. proposals? I say to you that a lot of what you just said is still the reality in Springfield, or even this idea, you're a freshman legislator. It takes five to six years to move a bill. And someone just told me when I was trying to bring emergency housing relief um, during the pandemic, you know, it takes some time. Uh, just, you know, keep at it. Or introduce it next year. Or, you know, I know you're passionate. And I love the word passion. And I know people like to say that to me a lot. But, you know, the same way I said to one of my Republican colleagues, um, this set in special session, passion doesn't pay the bills. My passion doesn't keep my constituents from ending up in the street or with medical bills they can't pay. My passion um, doesn't actually uh, provide the resources that our schools need. Uh, that passion is coupled with action, and action requires political will. So it's been tough. Um, but I will say to you that one of the things that I've really appreciated is, is coming in to the legislature as, as a freshman, is that people have recognized my work. Um, you know, you've heard me say that I've been working with people experiencing homelessness since I was 17 and was part of that work um, for, for most of my career. So they know that when I come in here and I'm talking about a situation, it's not something that someone told me about. It's something that I've either experienced myself or I've worked on. And so they, they some of them see me as an expert in the issue. And that I recognize that Every single person from East St. Louis to Chicago wants to have a quality of life for themselves and for their kids and generations to come. And if we start at that basis, I think that it's a little easier for us to begin putting together relationships necessary to move things. Because then I could be the, the biggest progressive, which I consider myself to be among uh, the biggest progressives in, in Springfield. I also need to pass legislation. And, and I'm not sent there by my community to drive three and a half hours every single time. I'm paying sometimes out of pocket um, for my apartment there and for all these other expenses being there to not bring back some actual systemic change that we've legislated. That's not what people sent me to do. And so I think that it's been, it's been work for me. But in the two years there, I've seen a little bit of the needle move. 
I have people like Representative Zardi, Representative Cassidy, uh, new Representative Lindsay Lapointe, Representative Ma, Senator Peters in the Senate, Senator Aquino, Senator Villanueva, um, and I can go on, uh, Latino caucus members, who said, I'm standing with you. This might be a hard vote uh, because this lobbyist is going to come after me, but I know what you're fighting for and I know it's going to help my district, and I'm standing with you. And that's, to be quite frank with you, that's part of the encouraging um, I think beginning of, of, of change you see in Springfield that people are tired of the BS. We're trying our best but not do it. And people are expecting results from their legislators. And if not, they're tweeting about it. All right. Now, before we, uh, again, I'm going to hold off uh, on the specifics of the, some of the renter bills that uh, you were advancing and proposing. Going to Springfield, and you got elected in 2018, so you've already had uh, one full session under your belt and parts of a second. Just follow me about about to say, going to Springfield, you've left the cocoon of Chicago. Let me explain what I mean by that, Delia. Like in the city of Chicago, you're dealing with people, left lefties like myself. Uh, then you have people who are progressives. I'm, I'm just making this this little chart in my mind, and by that they mean. You know, they're not as nutty left as Ben. Uh, and then you have liberals who basically, they believe in a woman's right to choose, uh, but they're soft on unions, okay? Uh, this is the Chicago model. I'm talking about Chicagoans. Mm -hmm. uh, it, not a lot of MAGA hat wearers, not a lot of Trump supporters in the city of Chicago that you've dealt with. The people that you've had to deal with are in sort of the confines of those uh, descriptions that I was making. You go down to Springfield, all of a sudden you got to deal with guys like Darren Bailey, who we talk about a lot on this show. <laughs> Darren Bailey, the pride and joy of Clay County. Uh, where's the MAGA hat and where's it proudly, uh, Delia? Uh, and so suddenly you're like exposed to uh, a different crew. And so what has it yeah. been like for you, Delia Ramirez, pride and joy of Chicago, uh, a true blue lefty dealing with the, the Darren Bailey crowd? Yeah, it's interesting. You want to hear something funny? Yes, I um, I agreed to be part of the Adopt the Legislator program for the Illinois Farm Bureau. I know that most of the folks that are hardcore supporting the Farm Bureau are Republicans, and probably would some of them would say that um, immigration reform is something unacceptable, and the list goes on and on and on. And quite frankly, a lot of folks say it's probably personally uh, unacceptable to me. I decided that I wanted to be adopted in a district that was the furthest from the city, uh, that was completely unlike the city of Chicago, Humboldt Park, Wicker Park, or Logan Square. And I wanted to go to an area where there were more migrant workers coming in and no resources. So where did I end up? I ended up in Lawrence County, Illinois, where the state representative is Darren Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on the combine. I went to the hog farm. Went to a number of places. And who joined me for lunch? Darren Bailey. Who thanked me for coming down to this district. You know that I can't stop talking about housing. It doesn't matter where I go and work or write. And immigration. I talked to some of the folks that, toured, that gave me the tours around. Some had things to say about Bailey. Many did not. But Bailey sent me a lovely note telling me how much he appreciated the work I was doing in the legislature, how much he appreciated my visit, and even offered to pray for me. Now, I'm the lefty of the lefty. Isn't that funny that, you know, I, I experienced Bailey in this other space? Uh, and then I had folks who, I, I'm, 
Ben, these are people who are hardcore Republicans in, in some of the most urban areas of downstate Illinois. Call me and say, I want to make a campaign contribution because you are authentic and you're a fighter and apologetic about who you are. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. In his district. <laughs> in his district. So anyway, uh, wait, it, now, wait, it, let it me is, ask, let me, I got to uh-huh. ask you about that's, that's fascinating. I did not know that. I, I didn't even know about, excuse my total ignorance, Delia, adopt, what is it called? The adopt, the legislator. adopt the, adopt a, the legislator program. Yeah. How does that work? So, so. a urban, an urban, um, an urban state Senator representative is matched with a, um, a, you know, not, what is, oh my God, I can't even say it, a rural area. Um, a representative or senator, uh-huh. and they build this partnership. And you visit their district, they visit your district. Members of the Farm Bureau will come to your district. I brought them to Humble Park. I brought them to Division Street, Paso Boricua, which is like the center of my district, but um, the center of the Puerto Rican community. Uh, about 15 of them came. Bailey wasn't able to come on that tour. I talked to them about housing, gentrification, racism, worker rights, uh, workers in steel mills back in the 50s. I took them to the Puerto Rican restaurant on Division Street, Nelly. Uh, we talked about the challenges of healthcare and immigration. I mean, I had them here for seven hours. And then in exchange, I then went in November down to Lawrence County. There was no hotels for me to stay in there. So they put me up in a, in a, in a I think, in a double tree in Indiana. And then I spent the whole day with them. And they drove me around from Hawk Farms to Cornfields. Uh, to, you know, places where they, you know, grew all sorts of things. And we had long conversations about housing, farming, agriculture, my family being farmers in Guatemala, they being farmers since the 1800s. So it's quite fascinating for this lefty. I was a little scared at first. Yeah, that's 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 a great story. I, I got it. I'm a little disappointed that DB didn't come up to Chicago. He was just here. Uh, I don't know if you know this. A uh, Memorial Day, Darren Bailey, uh, the aforementioned. Oh, DB. was he? Yeah, he was here. He did. Oh, there was a rally at Buckingham Fountain. Uh, the uh, people who protesting, uh, JB Pritzker. They despise JB Pritzker because they think he's been too intrusive and he's snatching away their liberties. Uh, and Darren Bailey is now <laughs> the leader of this movement. I don't know if you know this, uh, but he's because you know he defied the legislature and dared not to wear a mask. Uh, he is sort of the leader of this group. And uh, Dennis's prediction is that he will run for governor uh, in, what's the, 2022 uh, as- Who, Bailey? Yeah, that's our, <laughs> we have been making that prediction myself, DB, Darren. In fact, at, when he came oh to Chicago, God. he didn't rule it out. He goes, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, like if that's uh, what God wants, then that's, you know, he has no choice, but like, you know, God is the slate maker. Uh, and uh, and then he said that he likes Chicago, but you have to view Chicago as a wayward child. And sometimes you have to punish your wayward child. I'm not making this stuff up. So uh, that's uh, Darren Bailey. So maybe he should come with a different attitude the next time he comes. To I'm just saying, you didn't go down to... Maybe you uh, should ask some of his constituents how they feel about him. Yeah. Because the constituents that were donating to me said, he's a freshman legislator like you. Maybe he should focus on the district instead of separating from the state. That was before he just, you know, before the pandemic. So yeah. it's, it's rather interesting. Yeah, rather it's, interesting. it's interesting. Now, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he was part of that movement to separate from the state. Uh, but I mean, he may have okay. been uh, a little less condescending about Chicago calling us wayward children had he actually uh, done what you did and 
go visit Chicago, get the tour from you, and you get what I'm saying? I said, then he wouldn't maybe view it. Can you imagine if you? Maybe, maybe he would have had a change of heart. Maybe he would have came to Division Street and really saw what Chicago is versus what he thinks. Not focus on downtown. Maybe, maybe we would have had a change of heart. I would have prayed for him too. Yeah, you would have prayed for him. <laughs> on the other hand, maybe you would have bought a two flat and kicked all the people out and made some money off it, like everybody else does in uh, <laughs> West Ham these days. By the way, that's oh, the other man. thing. When they said there, uh, he he's praying for you. Like, what is he praying for? I, I, that was the question I was going to ask. Like, what is he hoping for you? I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, they were having a prayer breakfast too, and they wanted me to be part of it. Um, I don't know, because I, I never, I was never part of it, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, just, I hope that I am a, a, as effective leader as I intend to be, and that I'm able to move all the legislation that I want to move. <laughs> but I'm not sure that's what he was praying. For. Yeah, I was going to say. Have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you're done praying uh, for DB, you can vote with her. How about that? Let's let's vote to raise the minimum wage in the state of Illinois. How about that's that? Right. You, that's you can pray right. for that that's legislation. Right. Uh, all right, let's, let's expand healthcare coverage for everyone. Yeah, there we go. Pray for Medicare for all. There is something worth praying for. That's right. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, protecting renters. This is something near and dear uh, to the hearts of a lot of people listening to this show. Uh, these are hard times. I forget. I saw what twenty five percent of the state unemployed. I can't remember the exact quote, uh, Delhi, but a lot of people unemployed. A lot of people filing for uh, unemployment health uh, aid. Um, not quite sure when a lot of these jobs. Are going to come back. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of assistance uh, are we able to get renters who don't have the money to pay their rent? Well, first, you've probably heard um, National Metropolitan Planning Council reported last month uh, or this early this month that in April, 27% of renters in Illinois were unable to pay rent. 27%. With 12 million people, let's assume it's about 8,000 households. That's pretty major. 8,000, I mean, 8 million households, that's pretty major. Uh, so I walked into special session and certainly right before that, knowing that we were and are entering an economic crisis with a housing market and our ability to keep people in shelter will be completely shaken unless we do something and we do something pretty big. Uh, so I've been getting calls about people not paying March, not paying April, and every single day that we don't provide relief and tenant protections and landlord assistance, um, it's another month that people have accumulated in unpaid rent or even mortgages that landlords are trying to figure out how to negotiate with, with their very corporate bank that care very little about them but requires or wants a bailout. So I walked in having introduced a bill with a number of sponsors. Um, it was, it's called a COVID-19 Renters and Homeowner Protection Act bill. I wanted this to be a bill that really addressed housing from the perspective of both tenants and landlords and homeowners. Too often in Springfield, it's this fight between the Realtors Association, the Landlord Association, and the Tenant Protection Organizations, and those who literally are on the verge of homelessness or in the street because of the broken system, because of displacement or gentrification, um, you know, and the list goes on, right? Unemployed or underemployed. I wanted this bill to be one that actually immediately um, covered assistance for both. And what we called rent cancellation, really rent deferral, um, would only work for us if we were able to couple it with a ho- extensive housing relief fund. Uh, I wanted to have my bill would also have a moratorium on eviction and foreclosure for another 180 days from the executive order of May 31st um, expiring. And then it would also freeze 
rent costs for 180 days so that those that begin to go into phase three, phase four to go back to work can get up to date on their rent and work out with their landlord or, you know, or landlords are able to also do that um, with them so that people are not in the street. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a a bill that (laughs) the Realtors Association calls the most comprehensive housing bill they had ever seen in in 30 years in in Springfield, um, went through hell. I went through hell with the bill um, and, and trying to come to some form of compromise so that we can actually move this bill on the House floor and pass it into law after the Senate. Uh, even with thousands of witness slips, I'm talking about more than 2,700 witness slips for this bill, not from lobbyists and not from corporations, but from people who are saying, hey, I'm one of those. I owe two months of rent. Hey, I'm a landlord who loves my tenant, great tenant. Um, but they're, part, they're one of those 250,000 people in mixed status who could not get stimulus assistance or unemployment insurance who just need some assistance until they get back to work in June. And this is an important bill for me and it's an important bill for my tenants. Um, then in spite of all that work, we were unable to be successful in passing the bill in Springfield. Uh, some said to me, the fact that you could even bring it to a special session, it's a victory. To me, Ben, a victory is not a victory until we're able to win relief for our families. That's comprehensive. So, you know, there's been a lot of emotions around it. The Senate sponsor, Senator Peters, worked really hard to prepare us so that once the bill would come out of the House, it would immediately move to the Senate, and then the the governor could pass it into law as quickly as possible. People have needed housing relief before this pandemic. When I started the conversation today about that, in this pandemic, people needed help yesterday, not two, three months ago. The bill, unfortunately, did not pass. Uh, I had a lot of support from Rep. Gazzardi, Rep. Cassidy, Rep. Ma, Rep. Lapointe, uh, Rep. Ammon um, from Champaign, Rep. Mayfield from from out, from Waukegan, and a number of other representatives who saw that this is something that goes beyond Chicago. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to move it. What I was able to secure was uh, a doubling of the housing relief funds that we we're going to be funds that we'll be able to give. So initially, we walked in with $210 million that the state could appropriate for housing relief, and we walked out with $396 million. Um, not enough, but a little bit to get us started um, so that the state can begin providing assistance um, to tenants and landlords who, who, need, who need assistance and are below a certain income and are experiencing financial hardship because of COVID-19. Now, just so I uh, make sure I understand it correctly, Delia, did the bill actually come up to a vote in the House of Representatives? It made it through two executive committee hearings. The last executive committee hearing uh, that would have moved it to the House floor was stalled. Uh, There were reasons and excuses that people gave behind the scenes around it. Uh, We were working the roll call. I was preparing for it to go to the House floor and working the roll call before exec. And unfortunately, it didn't make it through the third round of executive committee hearing with the final amendment. Got it. So, and did it make it to the floor of the Senate, or didn't? It- no, because I was leading it. I was leading the bill, so it, it was. You know, they, they call it getting a Senate vehicle, meaning the bill went from a House bill to a Senate bill, but I was still leading the Senate bill, so that it would be a great bill once it went to the Senate. Got it. And uh, what was the number of the bill? <laughs> The original bill was House Bill 5574, Amendment 1. 
the final iteration of the bill uh, that people keep talking about is Senate Bill 3066, Amendment 1. Yeah, um, it gets really confusing. And I know uh, a lot of our listeners are probably confused by the uh, uh, the just when you when you say, well, it was a House bill and then it was a Senate bill. Uh, people it it's it's kind of a hard to understand. All these complications. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, like, wait, I thought it was a House bill. When was this a Senate bill? Then you got to explain the whole thing. I remember trying to explain coming face to face with the notion of a trailer bill, uh, which uh, Senator oh, Rob right. Martin mm-hmm. explained to me. Well, Ben, here's how it works. I thought I thought, I thought the bill passed. No, well, then there's the trailer bill. Uh, but the reality <laughs> is this. The powers that be in the state of Illinois are not quite ready to go this far uh, on assistance for renters. That's my takeaway. If I had uh, to write a headline, do you agree or disagree with me on that takeaway, Delia? I think that we've come a long way. We haven't come far enough. I have secured 49 yes votes um, right before the bill was pulled. Uh, We we had about three or four others that were ready to say yes if the bill went on the House floor, and then we would have forced the conversation on vote. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that Forcing the forcing the House floor and members to decide if they wanted to be a yes for relief or a no for relief was an important step for us to identify where we are. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get that far. Um, so, yeah, I think there's still a lot, a lot of work to be done. But it's also changing versus what it was three years ago. Where there, had, there would never have been any possibility of a bill of this nature to even have made it as far as it did. Yeah. My guess is... And I've not talked to him. I have uh, is that the maestro Michael Madigan did not want his caucus members to be have to vote one way or another on this thing, because either way, right. it's a losing proposition. Like if you vote yes and you're from a conservative district, they'll tu- they'll turn you into Karl Marx uh, when they're running against you. They'll put, oh, did you know that Representative Jones voted with? Delia Ramirez. And it's like, oh my God, I'm scared. Even though you would say, hey, I was- You sound like a commercial. You're really good. Thank you. (laughs) Been doing this a long time. Uh, And even though you could say, hey, did you know I was in Lawrence County, Illinois? I'm I'm friendlier to Lawrence County than DB is to Wicker Park. Uh, And (laughs) I'm just saying, I mean, you went down there. He wouldn't even come up to your district. Uh, So that, and then uh, conversely, he wouldn't want them to vote no, because they could get a, a left of center primary. You get what I'm saying? So that's my takeaway. I think your analysis is pretty correct. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I think your analysis is correct. It is election year, and it is election year for a number of members who were standing with me and saying, um, I'm choosing to stand on this bill because it's the right thing to do. Our people are literally dying. And you can't shelter in place when you have no shelter. You can't tell people to stay home. How hypocritical is that when they have no home to stay in or they're about to get evicted? So I, I definitely think that while I appreciate it that they did that, um, I know that, you know, others would think, so what's going to happen in November when the lobbyists begin throwing money to your opponent because of this vote? It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate how much lobbyists still have so much power in our, in our, in our, in the state legislature on things that are just so basic as like housing and healthcare. I'm with you 100%, Delia. If I was there, I would have been with you 100%. Of course, the notion of me getting elected to anything is so preposterous. Then you're trying, I was saying, ben, you're trying to run? No, God knows. <laughs> no, I'm not running for anything. Just running for uh, 
the shelter. Uh, all right. Uh, the one thing that you wanted to talk about, I asked uh, Deli before the show, uh, what do you want to talk about? Because I knew I was going to be grilling her about the housing, the renter's bill. Uh, and you said mm-hmm. housing and Medicaid expansion for uh, undocumented, uh, as well as urgency yeah. release resources, ASB to communities that need them. Talk about that, uh, Adelia. So the two bills, the two things that I went uber focused on were housing and health care coverage. And while the housing bill did not move, uh, my bill to expand Medicaid coverage to undocumented seniors did, in fact, move. So as of about 11.30 p.m. on Saturday night, Illinois made history in becoming the first state to provide health care coverage to, undocumented, to the undocumented community, particularly seniors. It was also another bill that, you know, required a lot of work, a lot of fight. But the undocumented community in this state and many states are really suffering and have been suffering under a president, under Trump, it's hard to say president, under Trump for a long time. They have been suffering prior to that. When 250,000 households in the state of Illinois received no stimulus checks because they're in a mixed status, or because they were, they're undocumented. And when you see that in districts like mine, 50% of people testing for COVID-19 are testing positive, we know we have to do something, we have to do something fast. For the last two years, I've introduced this bill to extend Medicaid coverage to undocumented communities, initially DACA recipients and permanent legal residents of less than five years. And then when all in left people in January and reintroduced it and said, that one didn't move, why don't we go bolder? And then we figure out if we have to phase it out. Um, what we ended up with, uh, and I said to the housing working group uh, the last few weeks as we've been preparing for special session, if ever before, we we needed to expand healthcare coverage to the most vulnerable is right now. Even if you don't believe that healthcare is a human right like I do, even if you don't care about the undocumented community, but you care about yourself, every single time that a person is not getting tested because they're afraid that the other underlying issues they have, like diabetes and blood pressure, maybe even they have cancer they don't know they have, and then they're waiting until the last moment to go get tested, mm-hmm. that's putting all of us at risk, certainly themselves and their families. Latino community, 68% of us live in multi-generational homes. And yet you could imagine the fear of going to go to a COVID-19 test and being asked for citizenship, or being 66 years old, and being afraid that when you go in there, you're going to end up getting tested for COVID-19, but then you're going to need to get on diabetes treatment. You're going to need to get uh, other x-rays for other things, and you can't afford to pay for that, let alone the rent that you were not able to pay. So it was a big push, and the Latino Legislative Caucus stood with me strong, the Latino stood strong, and we fought hard to expand Medicaid coverage to seniors here in Illinois. And it happened through the budget implementation plan. We didn't receive much opposition. I think people realized that we were going to fight like how mm-hmm. to cover this very vulnerable community, um, our grandpas, our uncles, our parents, particularly so they can survive this pandemic that for the poorest of the poorest has attempted to murder and wipe us out. Did it get any Republican support? No, it came through the bin. And again, I know for folks that are listening, look, it takes me a while to even understand all of this as a new legislator. We got to do better at figuring out how to explain these things because I think it's all intentional so that 
constituents don't see what's really happening. But BIMP is a budget implementation bill. So that's like how you actually live out whatever the allocation of money is. How are you going to spend money for the schools? How are you going to spend money for healthcare? So we ended up putting the language that expanded healthcare coverage, regardless of legal status, into that bill. So the language of my bill went into the budget. And that's how we were able to legislate it. Uh, I didn't get pushback from Republicans. I also didn't have any Republicans come and say, yeah, make that a top priority. It just it was one of those things that through the working group and through colleagues like Representative Robin Gable in Evanston, um, they really helped to champion that with me to make sure it appeared in the budget. So some of those savvy veterans, Robin, I'm so old. Call it whatever you want to call it. I remember Robin Gable when she was just a young organizer working for Louis Gutierrez back in the day. And now, yeah, she's like, all right, though. So true. Let me take That's you under so, my wing and show you how to work this thing, okay? <laughs> you just be quiet. Let me it, show. it worked. <laughs> and poor Darren Bailey just realized it happened. Hey, what happened? You he was put, praying for my community to get health care coverage. There you go. DB, all that <laughs> praying worked out, man. DB is so mad right now, Delia. He goes, oh, that Robin oh Gable. Goodness. She's misleading Delia. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so it's, that's probably as good a point to end the interview. It's a little happy note. Uh, and uh, I, you First know what? First in the nation, and uh, I've been I've let way too much time go between interviews. So as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to book you again uh, to come come back on. You did a great job, and I appreciate it uh, what you did. And I don't know. Thanks, let me ask you this. Now I'll put you on the spot here, and I answer the question whichever way you want. Okay, this is totally up to you. But Dennis and I are thinking of moving the show. We're right now we're doing it from the attic. We want to go back to our little studio at the Sun Times where we were existed. Uh, for I forget how long, and uh, we're thinking of doing it within the next couple weeks. Would are you feeling safe enough in the um, in this current climate to be a guest in studio, or would you still be more comfortable doing it over the phone? I think it's too soon to know. And if I'd come, of course, you know, I'd come on a mask and figure out how to be how to project through the mask. I think the next two three weeks. Um, especially if we're moving into phase three, we'll know where we're landing. So Ben, I will definitely let you know if I can't be there in person, for sure you'll have me on Zoom or you'll have me on phone or whatever creative way we can figure it out. That is a very good answer. Uh, thank you very much, Adele. Stay safe, stay sound, and take care, all right? Thanks, Ben. Bye. All right, that's Deli Ramirez, pride and joy of the 4th Legislative District. That was a great interview, a lot of fun talking to her. See what I'm saying? Like A lot of people, uh, she was being honesty, that may not be comfortable coming back to the studio at first. And, uh, you know. Yeah, we'll- we've, we've been asking all of our guests here if they're comfortable coming in the studio. I've been keeping track of the, the people who said they are completely comfortable. Let me go over the list and look here. <laughs> yeah, zero. <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad we're keeping track. I well, I think uh, Jeff Johnson. Are you kidding? Uh, he would we be- haven't asked him yet, though. Technically. Oh, that's true. We haven't asked him. Oh, yet. wait. Hold on. We got an update here. Uh, looks like uh, someone in the newsroom's flagging me down. Oh. We got an update. All right. Yeah, we got an update before we roll out of oh. here. Let me go to the newsroom real quick and see what they got. And uh, we'll talk about the story. Just hang tight. All right. Hey, come on. <laughs> quick. Get to the story. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> Are they wearing their masks down there? 
Don't bring that up. Okay. Right. <laughs> we have an update here. This is a good one. All right. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ben, take a guess who wrote this. Fran Spielman. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> You'll not find Bob her Boy. smoking in the bathroom like Tommy Tujoy. Hey, come on. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. That's cool. Just give me a hit. I won't tell anybody. It's fine. Blame it on me. It's cool. Okay, no. This comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. All right. So tomorrow, May 29th, Illinois will be in phase three of J.B. Pritzker's five-phase strategy to reopen Illinois. Uh, yeah, but the rest of Chicago, well, we're kind of waiting to uh, see what happens here. Well, thanks to the newsroom, we got an update. This comes from Fran Spielman. Uh, Chicago will begin a partial reopening of restaurants and other businesses on Wednesday, June 3rd. Wednesday, June 3rd is the date. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot announced this today. Uh, she says here, uh, it says the guidelines of the limited reopening will even be explained by the second city in weekly web series titled phased and confused. <laughs> I say someone from someone from second city got a job at sun times because they love puns. Wait, hold on. Did Lori Lightfoot make that joke or did the bright one make the joke? No, it's on the sun times. It oh. says the guidelines of the limited reopening will even be explained by the second city in a weekly web series titled Phased and Confused. Officially under the city's guidelines for reopening, this means we are moving to phase three on June 3rd. Yeah, but phase three does not mean the pandemic is over, Lightfoot cautioned. Uh, she said here, we cannot, quote, totally eliminate risk. The best we can do is continue following public health guidance, uh, wearing a mask, washing hands, maintaining social distance. Uh, if cases spike again and people fail to obey the social distance and wear masks, Lightfoot said she won't hesitate to revert to the more restrictive phase two. So June 3rd, it looks like uh, is when we're going to be. Well, I'm wondering about my, I'll go when we're done with the show, I'll go down and get the update on uh, salons and barbershops. <laughs> Big issue in the Ben Jarofsky household. Uh, thank you for that update, newsroom. Uh, everybody, uh, you're, I'm giving everybody. Hey, Princess, thank you. And they're all getting raises. Uh, we're doubling. Okay, me this, first, so. pal. <laughs> me first. Uh, anyway, Delia Ramirez, thank you uh, very much. Great job uh, with the update from Springfield. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Delia Ramirez knows, because she's been down to Alton, back in the Rivertown, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and all of those Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. There's a part two of this show as well. What we do is we uh, record it after the show and then we make it available for download as well. So make sure to check that out. Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast, subscribe, tell your friends. See you tomorrow. little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine and for the record i'm not a perfect person 
Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. That's correct. 